Yo, what's up, everybody? Just before we get started here, just going to do a quick shout out to a fellow podcast from our hometown here in Kelowna, BC. They're called Into the Portal. It's a podcast discussing all things strange and unexplained with good research and well-presented and good hosts. Uh, They're friends of friends, so if you're looking for another podcast to get into, check out Into the Portal wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, check it out. Thanks, guys. Hello, all you curious creatures out there. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we are the hosts of Into the Portal. If you like myths, legends, history with a paranormal twist, join us every week as we explore lesser-known mysteries of our world and beyond. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, and all other major podcast platforms, and at intotheportal.com, your gateway to the bizarre. The only question is, do you dare appear into the portal? All through human history, strange lights or objects have been reportedly seen moving through our skies. Before the advent of modern science, many of these sightings were attributed to gods, angels, spirits, or other supernatural phenomena. Just going back as far as 1925, there have been near 60,000 reported sightings of unidentified aerial phenomenon. But it wasn't until shortly after World War II that the U.S. government decided to lend a critical eye to what had become collectively referred to as flying discs. Though a majority of the UAPs do not fit the profile of flying discs, the term became popular after one civilian pilot, Kenneth Arnold, reported seeing glowing blue objects flying in formation over Washington State's Mount Rainier in late June of 1947. He reported these objects were moving in a motion like a saucer if you skip it over water. And soon the local newspapers reported this The term flying saucer was born. Shortly after such a widely reported news story was circulated, the U.S. government began the project of investigating these strange sightings and others like it to determine if these seemingly harmless phenomenon were part of some intelligent effort that posed a danger to national security. Though it went through two earlier stages, the name of this effort to investigate, document, and assess these seemingly unexplainable events came to be known as Project Blue Book. Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing, Case File 66. Uh, I'm Brayden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. And this is Project Blue Book. Blue Book. Um, what's, I was going to say it in French, but I couldn't remember what book is in French. Uh, nope. Lost it. Nope. Lost it sometime me. in the last 15 years. Libro Azul would be what it is in Spanish. So that's Libro Azul. Um, anyways, uh, uh, only 18 days to AlienCon. Pretty excited about that. Ooh, we are hyped. We're getting pumped. It's gonna be so I just fun. looked at the guest list. Zell and uh, Braden heard me geeking out about who's going to be on the guest list coming this, this year. He's, he squealed. Excited. He squealed for like there was There was an minutes. audible squeal for a little bit. <laughs> 
for every name he said. He essentially read everyone from the guest list that's going and went. I got more and more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, more and more excited as as I, I read each one. So they're going. Um. Well, I'm so excited. For it. I can't wait. Um. So if you don't have your tickets yet, you're in the area. Get your ticket. If you're not getting tickets, but you're in the area, you want to come for beers. Uh, stay glued to our social media because we will be posting. Oh. where we are going and what we are doing. This that just reminded me. All right, I gotta I gotta say this. I think tickets are might be sold out. By the time you, by the time you listen to this, what? they may be sold out. What? However, <clears throat> however, we had a, a, a pro, prolapser. He was gonna go. He was from Texas. He's gonna make the trip, but for whatever reason, he can't go. So he's got two tickets, and he doesn't want to see them go to waste. So he's willing to accept any reasonable offer for these two tickets. So if you're looking for two tickets and they are sold out and you can't get them any other way, shoot us a message and we'll put you in contact with the man himself and uh, you guys can work it out. So that's... I've yeah, they that. are electronic tickets so they can just be transferred by yeah. name, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so. yeah just transfer name and it's no super, super easy. Super so. simple. Yeah, I forgot I had to say that and glad um, it reminded me. Sweet. I have a feeling this is going to be short, but why don't we just get right into some space news? Real short. <laughs> I actually don't have any uh, any space news today. None. All my normal channels of space news uh, were kind of dried up this last uh, couple of days. Nothing um, interesting is happening in space right now. In no. all of space. It's a very well, boring day in space. Um, this weekend, well, this, week, this past weekend, um, Jupiter and the moon were... Uh, right uh, in line uh, with the horizon. Um, I took a peek at it. Um, oh, other kind of cool space news. I took a telescope out on the May long weekend, two weekends ago. Um, got a good look at um, um, Jupiter and with this, it's pretty dope telescope, but you could see Jupiter. Nice. And then you could see the, the tiny moons. Like you could see that there was moons with it. Like you could see, cool. you can see them eclipsing. No, you could just see that there was dots beside it that were the moons when you when I did some further research into it. All right. It's not like I could. I was getting good close-ups, but I looked at the moon and uh, look at the moon too long uh, through a good telescope, and it near, God damn it nearly blinds you. <laughs> 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 but it's so fun to look at. Um, so that was cool. I uh, Mr. Conspiracy gifted me his uh, telescope while he prepares to go overseas, uh, so I had it. Out. It's probably the first time it's ever been used. To be honest, it's actually a pretty sweet telescope. It's not, it's not bad at all. Yeah. I was I was enjoying it. Um, I was I was camping with all these uh, people I didn't really know. As soon as I busted out of telescopes, I had so many friends. Yeah, it's funny. How that Everyone works. wanted to see the stars. That's cool. Uh, I, any other other space news? Um, not really. Nope. Not, not, not really me. at all. To be honest, no. nothing. No, uh, it's nothing it's really. a slow week. Slow week for space news. Um, well, since that is, um, the random Motron X2 has been, uh, fucking smoking me out of here. It's, it's, it's pooched. Um, I think it's got enough juice for this last, for one more go before it breaks down. So, uh, let's fire up the UFO case file of the week. All right. Um, I'm going to put it in a random Motron. I'm going to. I'll see what happens. I'm gonna hit the button. Take out the fire, uh, get, take out the fire extinguisher. Keep that. Nearby. I, 
I yeah, I pretty it's yeah, it's looking rough. Uh, I think I was supposed to oil it. Never did. No, nope. uh, I'm gonna <laughs> push. To use uh, mixed gas. Not, oh, not is it not mixed gas? I think oh, it's that, mixing. I'm pretty sure. That's probably the problem. The, the, the user's manual was in Australian. I couldn't really read it. It's a two-stroke is what you're saying, not right. a four-stroke. Mm. Mm. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna throw it in there uh, right now. And stop. All right. Ooh, that's, uh, oh, my God. Pretty much, pretty much chewed up the book. The it book. just spit out shredded paper. Uh, except for one story, I think the last story coming out of the, out of the Randomatron X two. All right. Oh, this fucking man! These names are Carlos Pesanetti, Carlos Pesanetti, and Carly and colleague Fernando Jose Villegas were the subject of a car stop in September 1968 in the early hours of the morning in Mendoza, Argentina. Both men got out of their car to investigate the vehicle interference and found themselves paralyzed and unable to move. In front of them were three entities, short, with large, bald heads, <laughs> and, <laughs> and tight and tight-fitting overalls. Overalls? <laughs> Overalls. Which ones are the which which ones? Are, is it overalls or coveralls? Which ones are the ones where I'm thinking of like redneck cowboys? Are those, those are, overalls? Those are overalls. Are yeah, all, those are co- overalls. Coveralls are right? like you can put like there's like a full body. That's like a mechanic suit, right? <laughs> yeah. That's like a, yeah. Um, <laughs> and tight fitting overalls. Two more such creatures stood slightly further away across the road, next to a hovering UFO. The creatures came towards the witnesses as if walking on air itself. The witnesses received an apparently telepathic communication, which basically stated that without the sun in the solar system, without the sun, the solar system would not exist. Whoa. In brackets, hardly a revelation. (laughs) (laughs) Even the book doesn't get seriously. (laughs) <laughs> and they were then told that mathematics is the universal language and then in brackets this is not much better <laughs> oh wow uh, damn the books roasting them hard <laughs> the entities apparently scratched hieroglyphics all over the windows of the car oh, and projects and project <laughs> fucking graffiti and also projected images of the nuclear destruction of an otherwise beautiful planet, which might or might not have been their planet or the Earth. Before leaving, the entities pricked the fingers of the witnesses. They then turned and walked back to the UFO and up a beam of light. The UFO rose and disappeared. Subsequent investigation indicated that the witnesses did indeed have pinpricks in their fingers and that there were strange marks on their car. The witnesses, the witnesses eventually claimed that this contact was a hoax. <laughs> what? How, however, however, even the claim that it was a hoax may have been, may have to be disregarded, as it followed a statement by the police 
that those spreading rumors about UFOs would be subject to legal penalties. Mm. Well, it cannot be ascertained for this specific case. There have been certainly been reports that have been withdrawn and denied by the witness because of fear of publicity or ridicule. Where the witness has privately confirmed that they still hold the report to be true. So it was. Wow. So there you have it. A uh, couple bald headed entities wearing uh, bald slim fitted overall wearing. Slim fitted overalls down in Argentina. Huh. So it was. Scratching galactic graffiti on their windshields. Huh. And. And. Uh, Testing their uh, their insulin levels. <laughs> <laughs> Checking their blood sugar. Checking. <laughs> um. All right. Well, uh, should we get right into Project Blue Book? Blue Book. Project Blue Book. So it's been a fairly requested case file. Yeah. Right. Rightfully so. It's kind of like uh, this is the pinnacle of UFO investigation. Is what it was. It's kind of the uh, the standard. Of what it is, yeah. You got to get it in there. If a UFO podcast, you got to talk about Project Blue you Book. Talk it's about kinda... Blue Book. Oh. Well, Dan, oh. Dan, you want to uh, you want to run us through what it was, when it happened, and uh, we'll take it from there. What it is, what it was, <laughs> what, what it is, what, what it was, it what it will be. What it will be. <laughs> well, let's see. Project Blue Book actually went through about two other iterations before it became Project Blue Book. Um, what it is, in a nutshell, is pretty much the United States Air Force compilation of about, I think it's something around 12,000. I think it's around 12,000 uh, UFO reported UFO cases and their investigations uh, by United States Air Force like field investigators. So before it was Project Blue Book, it actually started out as Project Sign. Not Signs, the movie. Not Signs, the movie. Directed by M. Night Shyamalan, which I still think is a good movie. I don't care what anybody says. It's a good movie. Um, which movie? Project Science started out um, Science. as a request oh, from the Air Intelligence of the Pentagon. And they requested basically a report from Air Materiel Command uh, about what was now becoming popular uh, or the, the term that was flying around in the news agencies now of flying discs these reports of flying discs which kind of started to shoot up after world war ii you got more people looking at the skies and seeing a lot more stuff up there that probably they wouldn't have really noticed before and a lot of easier ways to communication was kind of widespread at that point so you're kind of worried about these things you know during the cold war things like that so the Pentagon goes goes ahead and decides that they want to find out more about these things. So, at the time, the commander of Air Materiel was Lieutenant General Nathan F. Twining. And he held a conference with a bunch of higher-ups from places like uh, the Air Institute of Technology, um, the Aircraft Power Plant uh, and propeller laboratories, engineering divisions, and a couple other intelligence agencies. And they went uh, went ahead and go ahead and they came up with an idea of putting forth a memorandum to Brigadier General George Shulgin, who is chief of the Air Intelligence uh, Requirements Division, that pretty much concluded 
after investigating reports that had come into them that UFOs are real, that these things that were being reported, these objects that people had observed in the skies are real and not just results of natural phenomenon or some sort of hysteria or some sort of psychological effect that these things are real. They're propelled by they're propelled or controlled by sentient beings, whether it's they're they're either programmed as automatic or they're controlled manually or automatically. These things are real and they warrant investigation. Super cool. So that was Project Sign. Yeah, so Project Sign. So that officially became a project after, and that started about December 30th, 1947. That's when they officially put the Project Sign on it, which is also known as Project Saucer, which is terribly original. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's great. Should have kept that one. So that was the the first one. Yeah, at at the end of Project Sign, the, the conspiracy is that there was a document and they, the document was titled Estimate of the Situation. And that was pretty much, it was the only written document about their findings that they said that the extraterrestrial hypothesis was the best explanation for the UFOs. But then the Gosh. conspiracy is that all those documents were actually slowly destroyed over the next few years and actually not one copy of that document actually exists now. So it's like a start of a huge conspiracy, like the start of the cover-up pretty much. Yeah, the, they submitted their report to Air Force Chief General Hoyt Vandenberg. And this guy, he got the first report, which uh, leaned pretty much heavily into the extraterrestrial theory that these craft um, had some sort of were, were for somewhere else. They weren't from Earth. They didn't they didn't have any propulsion that was known to exist on Earth and that they are pro- probably controlled from some sort of extraterrestrial intelligence. And when he got the first first version of the estimate of the situation, he had it sent back to get revised. And then he got it back a second time, and it was still kind of pushing the extraterrestrial uh, angle. And he d- he ordered that all of it just be destroyed. That they were going to shut it down. That they're 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 done with this. Uh, he 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 he. He rejected it on the grounds that the report didn't didn't prove anything, that there was there was insufficient evidence for them to go to be saying things like this. So the guy was like, you know, what? forget it, shred everything. And we're done with this. I don't know. Their findings, it seemed like a pretty reasonable thing that the E.T. Yeah. hypothesis is probably the most real, like reasonable. That's all they really said. Right. They didn't really say anything about who the E.T. were, like E.T.'s were or anything like that. It was just like, well, we can't explain any of this stuff. So therefore, the best best explanation is probably a higher advanced yeah, being. The easiest one. The e- yeah, it's the easiest. It's really the easiest. It's not like they were. It's not like they were like, oh, it's the Zeta Turiculi or whatever from the Greys. Yeah, <laughs> the reptilians. Yeah, they're like they're like oh, you know what? Like our conclusion that like, it would make the most sense that they weren't from here. That would be the easiest explanation. Then that someone in the forties is hiding this kind of technology. Right. And this was like this was late 1940s. So it's not like they uh, the the people that were doing this, like they had access to um, advanced, like all of the experimental aircraft that were being built at the time. And they they had that kind of data and as well as any of secret kind of projects that, you know, even the Nazis had been building at the time. So any sort of like Nazis 
super, even though the flying wing jets of that, you know, jet aircraft at that time, they had access to all this. So when they read these reports, they, they had a technological reference. They're like, even if, even if the Nazis were able to build something like this and the Soviets had it, 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 it's impossible. Like with the technology that is available now, even in experimental aircraft, the things that these things, the stuff that they th- these things do in the air is impossible. And the only kind of, I guess the only logical conclusion they can come to is it's not from here. Makes sense. So, makes sense. Yeah, so, like, I mean, that kind of just makes sense. I don't think it's preposterous for, to say, I wouldn't open that report and go, my God, shred mm-hmm. it all. Shred it all. <laughs> Burn this. Yeah. Light it with my giant, you know, United States Air Force Brigadier General cigar. Light it on fire. Burn it this. Make, Burn it all. It would make it would make more sense that if it was a fact finding thing, he was like, "Okay, well, I want this like, well, to destroy it, I think it's a little heavy. But even if you were just like, well, this report actually, you guys didn't do any fucking work because you didn't. I wanted to know what, what the what 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 they are." And you guys have just said, well, we don't know, so we're going to think it's this. Yeah. But to just to, to, to shred everything is fucking suspicious. It's weird that you say that like because they knew the technology that they had found out of Nazi Germany and they had like, well, this was after po- Project Paperclip, right? So they had really all that technology on their own, on their own side now. One of the, so when you get through Project Blue Book at the end, it's weird that one of the final like findings of project blue book was there was no evidence indicating the sightings category categorized as like unidentified objects or extraterrestrial vehicles. That was like one of the final things, but you're like, if you go back to the start of project blue book, what they're actually talking about, they're like, well, it's very well could be. And then at the end there's like, Nope, it's not so, <laughs> complete. 180. I mean, yeah. And you could chalk that up to just our, our understanding of, aerial phenomenon because i mean they kind of leaned on the things that these were that the sightings that, that people were reporting were either you know they could have been balloons uh weather balloons or other types of unidentified aircraft maybe experimental for aircraft or even uh unexplained weather phenomenon because i mean a couple of the panels that uh went into the conferences about that that were invited in to talk about these things like they were geophysicists like all these kinds of guys like weather specialists and you know they could go ahead and go ahead and said yeah like could this somebody would probably ask them like could this be ball lightning they'd probably be like sure it could be ball lightning i don't know like yeah <laughs> it's like we barely know how some weather phenomenon works and it's like we find new stuff all the time that the sky is doing that's freaking weird or weirdness out so sure <laughs> Could be it could be gas it could be swamp gas I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Okay, so we um, had so we had project we had the first one. And then right, you had project sign, and then after everybody got totally bummed out that all their papers got shredded, uh, they went to go they went ahead and named it Project Grudge. And so from about from 1948, from December 1948 to about the December 1949, so about a year. Um, that's what Project Sign became, and they were responsible for going ahead and bringing in the the reports and investigating them. Um, but at 1949, that's when they decided to officially close uh, Project Grudge. So they decided to go ahead and shut down the entire project. They're like, "This is a waste of time." Um, 
we're all too mad. Let's cool off. Yeah. And but its final report uh, of the UFO reports that they did have, they claimed that about 23 percent of the UFO reports could not be explained by ordinary phenomena uh, and could not be explained um, or could be explained by maybe psychological phenomena. Right. So there was still there was still stuff that they didn't know what it was. And they said that maybe some of this UFO stuff could be chalked up to maybe hysteria or hallucinations or um, any type of something like that. They haven't figured out yet, which is, you know, that's kind of a I think it's kind of a cop out. You're just like, yeah, some people are crazy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> go ahead and say that. That's I don't know, whatever. Well, it's, like, it's like weird. It's weird that actually like how they investigated these reports There's like the person's credibility as individual was like the first thing they would look at. So the ones that actually yeah. got the ones that actually got ex, like categories as like unexplained were the ones like, OK, that person seems sane. The person's like he's either he's a high ranking member. He's a part of the police force. He's part of the military. There was like all these like steps you had to get to actually get it unexplained. Yeah. And you can't have. Like the people who were reporting this weren't just people on the ground. You had pilots, you had people, uh, you had airplane pilots. I mean, X World War II pilots had seen some of these strange things that were making these reports, but a lot of them didn't want to back it up because they want, didn't want to be ridiculed or they didn't want to go ahead and be seen as crazy because that kind of stuff goes on your permanent record and in the military. You just don't really want that on there. Yeah. I can see that for sure, especially if you want to move up and stuff. Yeah. Can't be making waves. No. Mm-mm. But so 1949 rolls around and you have Project Grudge is officially shut down. Um, that doesn't mean that there weren't still UFO reports still going on. Um in Project Blue Book uh, before this, like they collected some of the reports and the one that kind of pushed for the project blue book, like grudge was just sitting there doing nothing. The, the, that department had just been totally probably gutted. There wasn't anybody really working in there. And it was, um, you probably had like three people at a desk and these were like the guys that you didn't really like and that nobody really liked. And they kind of shut them down there. You got your, your molders and your scullies just right. stowed <laughs> away in some random building somewhere. Um, so, but in about around uh, the 1951, uh, on the 10th of September, there was an incident at Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. And I think we've talked about this one before. I think we might have talked about yeah, it before. But this, this incident involved one private first class, Eugene A. Clark, and at his station his radar station at fort monmouth he picked up an unknown low-flying target uh moving faster than the setting on his radar could actually plot and that's that's saying a lot like at the time when he was there coincidentally there were some army officers on the base and they were doing an inspection of some sort and they were pretty much standing right behind clark when this happened so it's not only you got this one private first class sitting there watching this this incredible event. You have 
other army officers actually walking watching this and they estimated that this object that they were tracking on radar was traveling at least 700 miles per hour now in 1951 the fastest an aircraft could travel or at that time the airspeed record was held by the f-86 saber which is an american single-edged swept wing jet and that was they could travel at maybe 690 miles per hour and that's carrying no load and but that's not for sustained flight so it's not like that they they do that all the time that's like pushing it to the the full max that it could possibly go and this thing was just was traveling 700 miles per hour just just cranking just going it seemed like it's just normal operating speed and as soon as it got off out there they lost track of it uh, near Sandy Hook, which is about a little bit south of New York City. Now, a couple minutes later, um, there was actually two pilots in the area, and they were flying a, a T-33 jet trainer, and this was Lieutenant Wilbert S. Rogers and Major Ed uh, Edward Ballard Jr., who was in the rear seat, and they saw something that they could not identify. They did not know what it was. And they tried, they attempted to follow this object. Um, they, they saw it actually bank, um, taking out, taking a course going out to sea. So over the Atlantic ocean and they watched it bank at pretty much 90 degrees. And they said that it looked like it was pretty much, um, circular in shape. It was something that they had never seen before. And it is um, when they were interviewed about it, they were like, this is, this is something we've never possibly seen before. And they were, they were, they throttled up to pretty fast to try to catch up with it. So about like, they were going about 450 to 550 miles per hour and they were not catching up to this thing. Not even close. And it was gone. Not even close. So they knew it wasn't a balloon because if it were a balloon, they would have been able to catch up to it. <laughs> I ain't never seen swamp gas move that fast. <laughs> so this this kind of led to this along with a couple other sightings that started popping up around this time. Like uh, I think around this time was a really um, good time for UFO sightings. Like they started to pop up a lot more uh, frequently around this point. And this led to a lot of criticism of the United States Air Force on why they did not have a robust protocol for investigating these claims and it, it was kind of come to a conclusion that these these craft or whatever they were maybe they didn't pose a direct a direct threat to national security at the time but they did maybe like a secondary threat as they were a distraction from the real threat of the soviet union so they wanted to know what these things were and you know, pretty much, probably how to how to get rid of them, and this is what became the Air Force went to go ahead and put together Project Blue Book, which is their their protocol for investigating and recording UFO sightings. Yeah, and that went on for like twenty two years, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that went on from yeah, so pretty much from nineteen uh, when they put the name on it, Project Blue Book. So Project Blue Book is around. Like 1940, they they took all the stuff from Project Sign. So I mean, technically, you could say that Project Blue Book was Project Sign and Project Grudge because it, it compiles all of the uh, twelve thousand 
618 sightings uh, from 1947 to 1969 and puts them all together. And there's about, they say about like 700 of those are still unidentified. They can't explain what they were. Yeah, I'm looking at the, I'm actually looking at the real report right now. It's 12,618 total sightings from 47 to 69, 701 unidentified. Mm-hmm. So the first year, 4,722 sightings. And the peak was 1952 with 1,501 sightings. And 300 of those were unidentified. Yeah, and the, the ones that were unidentified are like, some of them are, are I, I'm sure they just weren't have reliable witnesses or things like that. But some of them are genuinely creepy. Yeah. Like some of them are really, really kind of scary. And like to get right. to get the like to get the unidentified status on Blue Book, you had like the whole panel had to agree, right? Yeah. So if there was four people on the panel all looking into the case, if they're all were like, if one guy was a meteorologist and like everyone was a different like, uh, different discipline of science, and they could all be like. No, like we don't we don't understand what this could be. Like maybe the per, the person telling the story is credible in their account, so therefore we have to say it's un- unidentified because we can't say it's like you can't say it's any weather phenomenon or known aircraft, like within our like realm of physics, like what we can do at this time. We couldn't do it then, so we must say that it's un- unidentified at that time. It was at least so in fifty two three hundred unidentified. But then you hear sometimes the other side of the story now is. Well, in 52, we didn't really know all weather phenomenon. So maybe you could you could say like maybe half of those now could be maybe even debunked by saying like some new some new found weather phenomenon. But that's still quite a few cases. That's just like, no, we have no idea. Yeah, it's fucking. You probably chalk a bunch of those up to stuff we know now, but not all. Of them. Not yeah, not all 700. Well, definitely one of them you cannot chalk up at the weather phenomenon is one of the reports uh, that they had that was the on the 1953 Kinross UFO incident. Now, this one is generally scary. Um, this happened around uh, November 23rd, 1953, and this actually happened over Lake Superior. And that evening... Air Defense Command was tracking an unidentified target that was moving about what they said about 500 miles per hour over the lake. And they actually had uh, an all-weather jet interceptor from Kinross Air Force Base uh, took off to pursue the target because they didn't know what it was. It wasn't being able to identify. They couldn't figure it out. And they they had radar operators actually watching as the F-89 closed in on the UFO and then as they watched the two blips come together, they watched them merge and then, and then they were gone. All communication with the interceptor gone, nothing. They, they sent out land, water search parties. Couldn't find anything. Couldn't find trace of the craft. Couldn't find the two men that were aboard Lieutenant Felix Moncla jr. And Lieutenant RR Wilson gone. Couldn't find a single trace of them. What? They're still, they're presumed dead. But there's never been any evidence to support anything. They're just gone. So crazy. Yeah, and that's definitely one of the uh, 
that's one of the creepier ones. It's just like that's that's one of those few ones that you actually had deaths resulting from a UFO that these guys were they just completely disappeared. They you know, now I mean I I know that the Great Lakes are are you know you you can lose a lot of stuff out there. I mean they're really big, so I mean it wouldn't be hard to say maybe that thing they disappeared, crashed into the water, something like that. But just like to watch it disappear and and lose it completely no wreckage on the water you know nothing nothing uh, so we just he fucking two guys not just one not just one pilot but two two gone just which uh, which lake was that over Does, lake, superior. lake superior superior that's weird because there's something called the like lake michigan like triangle which is kind of like the bermuda triangle in the great lakes oh it's creepy so there's been tons of lost like small aircraft and ships in the in uh, on Lake Michigan, but it's not there, so it doesn't have anything to do with it. Well, you gotta think too, like in this sort of in this sort of like event, they would have fucking done everything to recover. Right. Yeah. A, a wreckage from Lake Superior, right? Yeah, especially when you're track you're tracking the two craft. It's not like you weren't you didn't you didn't see anything. Like they just weren't out there and they just disappeared. But it's like they were tracking something on radar and they actually gave the go to have this interceptor launched and to get out there and follow it and just shoot. And this thing's just completely gone. It's that's one of the things like this is one of the things that Project Blue Book was made for, like investigating these kinds of events and trying to come up with some sort of conclusion. But these are these are the the one of the 700 that are unidentified, that they have no explanation as to what happened. Yeah. And there's like there's there's that one and there's probably at least a few dozen really good ones like that. That's just like you cannot you cannot debunk by any ball lightning or swamp gas. Like they're just some of, them, some of them are just too crazy, so it makes you wonder. Yeah, that one, that one, Felix. I think it's it, Moncia, Moncia Junior. Yeah, that one's fucking insane. Yeah, that's the one, and you can't believe that happened. Now, Project Blue Book officially, officially was I put that in air quotes. You can't see that on radio. Um, <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> There's the U.S. The U.S. Air Force reported that Montia had crashed, and that the object of the intercept was actually the Royal Canadian Air Force aircraft. Yeah, it's our fault. Well, it's... when was this? When was this? Um, 1953. When did we have the? Um, uh, what, what was that fucking super sweet plane we had? Oh, the Avro. That... Yeah, I wonder if that's. In the early early ages no, uh, of late. the Avro, it's later. I think it's like, I'm gonna do a quick search here. It's uh, 57 was the Avro Arrow CF 105. The Canadian government a- repeatedly denied that that any such incident involving one of its aircraft ever took place. Like they it denied that. Say. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> you guys. We'd tell you. Yeah, we don't lie. They'd say sorry. <laughs> probably would well you yeah it's yeah that's crazy yeah <laughs> i can't believe that happened but yeah and you have these kind of weird unexplained inferences but apparently the u.s government has no problem just leaving them unidentified because in 1969 they shut down project blue book 
it was done. They went. They they Project Blue Book was pretty much to. They were kind of assess the threat that these these unidentified aircraft had to national security. And uh, I guess 1969, they had gone ahead and decided that the this investigation had run its course and that they didn't really pose any direct threat to national security. So they went ahead and, and shut it down. Yeah, it was, this is what it was. It was the, it was called something called the Condon committee. And it was at the university of Colorado and it was to study unidentified flying objects presented by uh, like project blue book, all the sightings. It was from 66 to 68. And after it was a group of, man, it was, it was funded by the U S air force. And it was a group of a, a whole bunch of scientists pretty much. And they were like, like going through all the cases and pretty much what they found in the end, there was three reasons why they're going to end project blue book. Reason one was no UFO reported, investigated and evaluated by the air force was ever an indication of threat to our national security. So anything they seen was not, they weren't trying to do anything harmful to the people of the United States. According to this, there was number two, there was no evidence submitted or discovered by the air force that sightings categorized as unidentified represented technological developments or principles beyond the range of modern scientific knowledge. So that's when I was talking about that, when they said the like initial report, and they're like, these things don't move like anything we know. Finally, in project, at the end of Project Blue Book, one of the reasons why they're stopping is because, like, no, nah, all, th- all the stuff we've seen, uh, we can explain. But if you go back right. a, lot, a lot of those cases, you're like, well, no, because you can't explain this and this and this and this. And the third one was there was no evidence indicating that sightings categorized as unidentified were ET vehicles. So they were just unidentified objects, but there was never any proof, hard proof that we were shown at least that they were ET vehicles. And after that, there's just like, well, yeah, uh, it was a good 22 years, but uh, there's no threat anymore. So we're just going to let it just roll over. But obviously that didn't happen. People kept, people kept going. There was really, there's really never an, like an end to project blue book. Cause then the, it turned into like the civilians version, which was like uh, the new project blue book. Right. Is that what it was, Dan? And that it was just pretty much a, a civilian continuation of the investigation because no one was satisfied with like the findings that they came up with. Yeah, those people that weren't satisfied went ahead and, and started their own uh, Project Blue Book, which became new Project Blue Book. And they actually had correspondence with the uh, former head of the FBI, Jeff Sessions. Um, and they kind of wrote uh, demanding that they kind of that the FBI kind of take on the uh, kind of the helm of investigating these these cases. And Sessions pretty much told him, it's like, he told him straight up, he's like, he says, the FBI has never been responsible for investigating aerial phenomena. That's not our job. Yeah. <laughs> Which I would kind of be like, yeah, that's that's not what we do. <laughs> yeah. um, but... Uh, so that, that they did on that TV show, that. though. It's just the one guy, but they didn't. No, the FBI. He didn't. Mulder and Scully didn't investigate aerial phenomena. That was just a secondary thing to either oh, there was some sort of murder or kidnapping or something like that. Whatever, you know how the FBI deals with their crimes uh, out between states and and things like that. Crimes that fall into the federal category. Um. So you know, it's it's never been their job to go ahead and do that. Um, but the strange thing is that, um, this was a big story last year is that we found out that 
there was another uh, secret uh, UFO investigation project, which was in the U.S. government, within the U.S. government, funded and, and known about parties in the U.S. government. And they actually declassified some of the stuff, not all of it, but some of it starting last year. And that this this UFO project had been around since they started this one in 2000. What was that? 2007, I believe. Right. They broke the story in 2017. But this um, this certain project had been around since 2007 and that the U.S. government had actually um, paid one of the uh, uh, what was his name? Um I can't remember his. I only know his last name, Bigelow. <laughs> oh, Robert, <laughs> sp- yeah, Robert Bigelow. <laughs> Robert, right, Robert yeah, Bigelow. Male Gigolo. Uh, we talked about him before, male Gigolo, because I made that same joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, he was part of one of the. Uh, he was part of this. This what did they call it? The it's the AATIP, and I kind of forgot it off the top of my head now. Oh yeah, yeah, me too. No. <laughs> The advanced, is it called the, sorry, advanced aerospace threat identification program. That's it. That's what it's called. Yeah. All right. Um, They started this in 2007 and this one was started as, um, started being funded by the request of Harry Reid, who is a Nevada Democrat. um, And he was actually the Senate majority leader at the time. And this this guy had a long time interest in space phenomenon, and he went ahead and took most of the money that they got. They they ended up appropriating about twenty two million dollars from the U.S. government. Uh, what that's not much when it's like considering that the that was that came from the six hundred billion dollars billion with a B, yeah. uh, which is the annual Defense Department budget six hundred billion dollars. Right, so they took out this tiny little twenty-two million dollars, <laughs> relatively, and he went ahead and gave some of that to a um, who was one of his longtime friends, but he was also a um, he was a entrepreneur. He was a billionaire entrepreneur, and also had a lot of um, he worked on uh, some projects that for for NASA and things like this, and that was Robert Bigelow. And so Robert Bigelow hired a lot of subcontractors and stuff. They built these special um, – he has a, he had a Las Vegas-based company where they uh, had a lot of uh, storage places that were repurposed to house some of the materials that they said that they recovered from um, UFO crash sites. That's so crazy. Um, which is nuts, right? And – some of the contractors, subtract, subcontractors he had in here were people who had worked on things like extrasensory uh, projects for the CIA. Um, a lot of people who weren't your just your run of the mill kind of, um, you know, aeronautics engineers and, and things like that. I mean, I'm sure you had plenty of those guys looking into these things, but some of the stuff that they say that they had, I mean, a lot of it's still classified. But they said some of the stuff that they had was like if you gave if you gave a garage door opener to Leonardo da Vinci and it's and he's looking at it. And the first thing he's going to try to do is try to figure out what it's made of. Like, what's this plastic material? What What is this? 
all the while he's not aware of like the principles behind the the radio frequencies and the invisible waves that are coming off the um yeah. the wavelengths that are coming off the the garage door opening to make it work so it's like we're, we're you know we're, we're messing around with these things and we're trying to figure out what they're made of when we don't have any idea what kind of stuff they're giving off right so this is how they explain some of the stuff that they found well it'd be like yeah, magic so right it'd be like magic to him yeah some of the stuff would just be you know they they don't understand the principles of how these materials that they communicate to each other or if they're these how they just form themselves but a lot of these things i don't know where these materials went because if this 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 thing has been officially shut down and not and some of it's been declassified but some of it is still uh deemed top secret so they still don't have a lot of it but i was like where did that stuff go right i mean they shut down this program it ran it ran for a good like 10 years and the person who was in charge of it i mean he just resigned under protest uh uh went into go ahead and say that he resigned because of the uh excessive secrecy and that there was a lot of push against his department and trying to investigate these ufo happenings and things like that um well that's so the, that's the guy Luis elizondo right yep that's him that's him so he's the guy who came out he came out again like when this all happened and then he right. joined up with our friend uh, tom DeLong in that to the yeah. stars Academy. So he's part of that whole crew, which is when, so when that first came out and I heard, like I heard this story about like, Oh, the New York times, like a lot of people used to say, like, I won't believe anything about UFOs until, until, until it's on the front page of the New York times. And then all of a sudden it was on the front page of the New York times. And then people are like, Oh shit, I guess we should probably yeah. look at this. And then this guy, he teams up with Tom DeLong and Tom DeLong has this crazy story about, Oh, how they're going to build some, some craft for the future. So initially everyone's like, holy shit, like this sounds pretty good. And then we, we've talked about Tom DeLong's to the stars and how it's actually like an entertainment company, unfortunately. But either way, this guy was part of this and he joined up with him. So he's, there's something like there was something going on and it's probably like they say the project like dried up in 2012, but a lot of people say the project just went like went privately, privately funded after that and just kept going. So it could have been even, Pretty much, it could have even went darker. Like that's that's the thing. Like you find out about this stuff that this this part of the government that, that was being funded by the U.S. government and was only known by a few people in Congress. Like it it wasn't. There was maybe like two or three people uh, besides the people who were working in that uh, in that project that actually knew about it. That had any idea that it was there. And it, it's like it's not that hard to bury some of these projects and some of these uh committees and things you can bury these in bureaucracy all day like 22 million dollars they would probably barely even notice that like yeah, a fucking 20 they're not bill. gonna care it's like a 20 dollar bill like when you see those yeah. things like before like uh 2001 when they're like oh 2.3 trillion not unaccounted for and then just a few years ago it was like 6.7 trillion now we're talking trillions of dollars with a 600 billion dollar defense budget and only 22 million that's like that's like a $50 bill for the government, right? That's yeah, no, that's they, no money at all. they put those kinds of bills like all the time. And it's and if anybody asks questions about it, it's it takes forever just to track down those people who actually know where that money went. 
And so it's like you even ask the people who are like, well, who is responsible for this? Oh, this was Senator blah, blah from whatever. He's on that committee. And like, OK, well, I go talk to him. What did you use this money for? Uh, well, we just use it to hire some sub. We hired this company and they went ahead and hired some subcontractors contractors for us to do this and it's like so you have to follow that money all the way that way and nobody's gonna do that for 22 million dollars that's no like i said that's like a drop in the bucket yeah it's crazy you know so it's i would just say that this is just an example of like this is just one project that we happen to find out about like i'm sure there are plenty of more and especially when it's like elizondo he complained about excessive secrecy. Like I'm sure the CIA has their own projects. I'm sure the DOD has their own projects that they work on and they don't tell anybody about. So this is just something that was being run by actual guys in Congress, like in the Congress and the Senate. Yeah. But I'm sure like DOD, you know, air force army, they've got their own buried black projects that sit all the way back there that nobody knows about. Cause you can't, you can't, those congressmen and those things can't even get into those those kinds of things. Like you, they can't even dig that deep. Oh, like there has to be. If there's that much money that it just disappears, it's going into something. And I would not be surprised because it was like when what was it just like five or six years ago when they officially acknowledged Area 51 was like a advanced like new aerial like aircraft testing center, and they yeah. oh they identified there was like the the spy, the U two spy plane, and the Blackbird, and all these like crazy aircraft they developed like forty years ago, and no one even really knew about them forever. All that money that's right now just slowly disappearing is probably going to these. They probably have aircraft that we don't even fucking know. They probably have anti gravitic fucking, like they probably have technology that's going to come public in thirty years, right? Right. They probably those, have all that stuff. Those private sector guys have always got like those skunk works projects. They're always about 30 years ahead of whatever we've got at least at yeah. this thing, you know, like the, when they had the SR 71, when they had the Blackbird, like they had that around forever. And that, that thing was the most advanced for like 25 years. And it was uh, way ahead of anything at the time. And no one knew about it. And nobody knew about it. It was a complete secret. And you got to just see that things like this. And tw- like I said, like $22 million and F 35, like the most advanced fighter right now, like an F 35 fighter jet costs about $85 million. Just one, just yeah. one costs $85 million. You know, Jeez. $20, $22 million. Bleh, you'd be like, Oh, that's just like, it's Fuck eh. all. <laughs> that's like, a, that's a couple of replacement engines. That's yeah. It. That's it's it. Nothing. Yeah, and like, people would not worry about $22 million going missing. You know, I, I, they should, but <laughs> yeah, you, they really should. But it's, it's so secretive. Like no one never, no one never tells you where their tax dollars go. Right. No. They say like, I mean, Oh, no. there's like a, a, a percentage went to the defense. A percentage went to this, a de- but that's it. Just a percentage. They don't say like what it was for. There's no yeah, like, what there's exactly no, does it go to? I mean, no I know they print. can't tell us on, you know, at least in the United States, they can't tell us on based on national security because you don't know where exactly where the money is going. But that always, seems, has fishy. Certain, that always seems fishy. It's always going to look weird. And, you know, it'll come out eventually, but maybe by then it'll be too late. Yeah. By, by the time that stuff comes out, because it, like it, it always does. Say like 50, after 50 years, it comes out. No one cares anymore. So no, like, you know? Yeah. By that time, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, we all knew," but uh, like we've got better things, like, bigger things to worry about. So, so now okay, you got we got Project Blue Book, 
it's a well-documented thing, like 22 years investigating UFOs, 700 unexplained. Maybe now half of those could be explained with other aerial phenomenon, but still tons unexplained. And you have all these, th- all these theories all the time, like, okay, if there was recovered craft of an ET source, and they've had now, say if something was recovered in Roswell in 47, or around that era, depending like what, what stories you like want to get into. Say, say, say they did recover something that, like that long ago. How long would it take to really reverse it? We're now, what, 60 years after Roswell? Seven, yeah. 70 years? 70 Almost. years? Almost. Yeah. Say you got something back then, and for 20 years, they're trying to figure out what it is. Well, yeah. you could even say that, like, as they started getting pieces of it, like, that's where our modern-day computers and the stuff we use now come from. Yeah, that, that is one of the, one of the theories, because all of a sudden, like, Right, that's like, where the technological boom comes from. It was like World War II, like technology progressed quite a bit because, like, you know, war breeds innovation. Like you're always trying to get, mm-hmm. be, beat the beat the enemy, but then after after that, it just like exploded. Like technology just kept doubling every five years, pretty much. And that's so. a that's a good theory, but you know, I can also chalk it up to just improved communication, like improved methods of communication. Just the fact that we could do that, you know, that's satellites, you know, being able to talk to people from coast to coast and anywhere within a couple seconds, being able to, you know, email each other. It's just the movement, like like the logistics of being able to move stuff around quicker. I think that kind of helped with the technology, yeah. like the technological boom. No. I'm not saying that it explains everything, but I think it explains a good chunk of it. Yeah, definitely. Like I can get on board, on board with that for sure, because like we're smart. Humans are smart, right? Yeah. We figure something out. But most of us, anyways. Most of us. Well, maybe not most of us. Some of us. (laughs) But, like, so, like, as we said, like, the Blackbird and shit 40 years ago, the most advanced. So, if they do have, like, alien, if they did get ET, like, technology way back then, like, I can only imagine the projects that's being spent on now and what they actually have. What what was that fucking that air, that aircraft or like a spacecraft that flew for like a year like four hundred days in space or whatever? That was a you remember that yeah, one, what that fucking was? We talked about it one time. Was it four hundred days in space? Yeah, it was like a, it was a it was a drone. It like it was it was piloted remotely, and it was fuck. What was it called? Uh, X thirty seven B. That's space the one. Plane. X thirty seven B. Good find. Nice, nice <laughs> quick one there. Yeah. So they yeah. Had, so. Yeah. And no one, no one even knows what it was for. That's true. We don't know what it was for. But the thing is, it's like, man, we still have sucky propulsion. Like, we still are on, like, liquid and solid propulsion. We don't have any really, like, <laughs> we haven't got to the point where we're, you know, antimatter or plasma propulsion systems. Like, well, that's what I mean, though. Like, practical ones. If, practical ones. If they're, like show, if they're showing us that plane and they're like, it's just, it's just really just a spacecraft, that's not really that much different than the ones that went to the moon or didn't go to the moon yeah. whichever one to believe the same type of propulsion like yeah you once you get up you can fly and you just keep going but if that's what they're showing us so i mean like so imagine now that's 40 years more advanced that they're like you probably don't see so that's what I, well I'm, I'm hoping so at least i hope they just got better stuff than that because i'm like these guys are just you're just playing all the oldies you know it's the same it's the same stuff well that's what i mean because now now let's get to a little conspiracy here this is where we go so we've talked about the secret space program before. Right. Right. So let's, let's, I'm just going to connect some dots out of nowhere. There's no basis in reality here. 
But say this is why we theorize. This is, We're why we, this, is, this is called theorizing. So all those people listening right now are like, we want to hear the hard facts. We don't. There's no hard facts here. This is, this is no. what we do. It's all theories. It's all theories. So you have a crashed spacecraft of ET origin in Roswell or that area back in late 40s. A clandestine group of individuals get their hands on it with a lot of money and they kind of bury, they bury the truth and they bury it and bury it. And eventually like after 10 or 20 years, it kind of just disappears. And now you have this whole, you have this like all this technology completely separate from the rest of the planet. And for 40 or 50 years, these guys have been developing something that is anti-gravitic, something that we don't even know like how it's even possible that it works. And now, so that's what the original UFOs were. So they had all this technology. We brought one down, and for 50 years, the guys have been fucking reverse engineering it. And now they have a point. This, this is the conspiracy, that a super elite group of humans knows that this is where the conspiracy world goes, that the end of the world is, is approaching soon. Not sure when yeah. exactly. So they're trying to like raise a space fleet to make sure humans are interstellar or at least can travel through space <laughs> for a time to like either populate another planet or be in space long enough to be able to come back and repopulate earth. Yeah. That's kind of one of the facts, but or one. Well, the I'm kind of saying that that's what the military industrial complex is all about is being able to take these things like take these works that they if they recover extraterrestrial material and they're reverse engineering of it they wouldn't tell the u.s government they wouldn't want the government messing with them like you have those you have those private investors like those people who have the money and you have the military which has the resources they have the government money but not all of the oversight as putting it directly into contact with the government i mean you've got senators and and congressmen who only sit for maybe six years, maybe 12 years, like a decade. and But you've got generals and things are around there for 15, 20 years, and they'll hand over this stuff. And that's around for a really long time. They can outlast anything the U.S. government has. That's why they don't tell the president everything. That's why they don't – he's only in there for four years. So why would you tell him everything? Because there's that there's that, that top secret clearance that's above top secret that they but have, like the, com- the compartmentalized – information that it's like unless you you specifically request it but even then they're like we can't tell you because you don't need to know yeah it's like it's such a short term like a president being in for four years and like trying to change a nation like you know what i mean like you can't get companies like small companies to like change direction in four years so why would military like they have obviously have more long-term plans in that they just yeah don't fucking tell anyone and yeah, and so there's no, more there's no reason for them to tell a president or for a president to have to know. So they don't tell them. There's there's that information that they keep compartmentalized that they're like, we're not going to tell you because you don't need to know. And you're you're a I forgot there's like a term for it, but they're like, you're a temporary government employee. You, yeah. You're not going to be here very long. So we're not going to tell you about it. Well, that's like the main, <laughs> that's like the main conspiracy is there's like the shadow government. And shadow government is controlled by like private industries, people who are not elected. So that's when you like every, whoever's elected. Like I like to think of most people are good. So if you're like if you really want to help your your state or your province or wherever you're in the are in the world, and you run for office, you're 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 trying to help like at a low level at least you're trying to help people. So maybe when you get to the Senate, like they don't want to tell anyone because there's going to be some senators if they find out the truth about UFOs. Say say. Say Dan becomes a senator, senator of Virginia. Yes. Right? 
Yes. And you're, and then somehow you yes. you learn the secrets. Uh, like, oh, oh, there is UFOs. There is alien technology. Like, you're spilling the beans, right? In some way or another, you're Dan spilling the beans. No, that's. So these people though, who have been in this like shadowy underworld of government for like in industries, private industries, like contractors, for, like military contractors and all these people who get money from who knows where it's all black. That's where all these fucking missing trillions of dollars come from. When you see like different presidents come in and they all say like what they want to do. And then you look, go, go to the end of the term and what they actually did to what they promised. It's usually like pretty much nothing. Dude, I guarantee, like, the first thing the, the presidents ask when they get in there, they're sitting in that Oval Office. They're like, okay, aliens. Area 51. Yeah. Aliens. Yeah. 100%. What's up? You know? And then there was, like, and then, like, they said in the, the, the undisclosed uh, undisclosed documentary, you know? Some guy, yeah. some shady dude comes in with a briefcase. He's got a picture of JFK. He slides it across the, across the table, and he's like, aliens yeah <laughs> you know yeah you, you slide a picture of jfk you slide a picture of like robert kennedy uh, bobby kennedy in there too just like aliens yeah mm. don't worry about it okay. yeah don't worry about it you know they worried about it don't worry about it they worry just and a little too much <laughs> then you know it's just like you just keep your mouth shut after that point and and get on that tax reform yeah that's way more interesting than aliens. Always tax reform, and then taxes always go up, no matter what reform That's is done. That's just yep. how it works. Oh, God, it's brutal. Um, that, um, that, what was the guy, the Toronto mayor who smoked uh, meth? Doug Ford. Oh, man. Doug, yeah, yeah his, his brother. Ford. His brother uh, has promised that if he gets elected, he's going to return $1 beers to Ontario. Is that the guy who got paid actors to come to his thing? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. It's crazy. The Ford family. This is like, it's like a, it's a Canadian, Hilarious. it's a Canadian, like almost joke. Now. Are, they a, are they a dynasty? They a <laughs> well, like Rob Ford was such a celebrity because he was so insane that people just like fell in love with the Ford family name. So now his brother's just going to run. Yeah. People are going to just vote for him just because they're like, we want to see what this guy does now. It's hilarious. Oh yeah. <laughs> we want to see this train wreck. <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. Yeah, Rob yeah, Rob Ford, yeah. And his brother Doug was the Yeah, he died. He partied. No, Rob Rob Ford died. Rob, Rob died. He partied too hard. Doug yeah. Doug is alive and wants one dollar beers. <laughs> but he looks pretty much the same as his brother did before he died. Yeah. It's good. That's th- a good. I thought good when you said stuff. I thought when you said that, like, oh he's gonna bring back I thought you were gonna say like I'm gonna reopen I'm gonna bring out the alien truth. I thought that's what I thought that's what you're gonna say, but then you're like dollar beers. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's just as important. <laughs> Far more Canadian. Uh, yeah. Forget aliens. Forget aliens. Dollar <laughs> beers. Uh, yeah, dollar beers. They're like, listen, forget aliens. Work on something you can accomplish. He's like, dollar beers. They're like, that's yeah. a stretch, but go for it. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, Project Blue Book. It's uh, it's just cool that they took. Like, there was obviously enough interest. Yeah, they take it seriously. That the government does take this stuff seriously. Like they 100%. do, they do put some effort into investigating these things, and they and they they did their their due diligence, and they just came up with the idea that these things are not they're not here to directly interfere with us in any way. It's not getting in the way of government doing its job. So they're just like, 
we don't need to waste our resources on this. We don't we don't need to do anything about this. That's what the official report says. That's what the blue book. Yeah, says. I bet you, I bet you something has to do with too because there was a couple like UFO incidents. There was one in like was it like fifty two over Washington D.C. Mm, yeah, where like thousands of people seen these these UFOs, and like the sheer panic from the public like collapsed the communication grid. Yeah, that's what they were worried about. So pretty much like rendering like all defense at that time at least like useless yeah. against like a conventional yeah. t- attack, right? That's what they were worried about. That that's why I said that they they kind of concluded that it was a secondary threat to national security and not the fact that it was like a a direct attack like the Soviets could have put on us, but the fact that people were calling in all these reports that they were they were pretty much downing all the lines of communication or or you know, clogging all the lines of communication where there could be reports. Uh, that are legitimate Soviet attacks at that time, or the Soviets could use these objects as like a mask for something to to use to distract us while they were doing something else, or that um, these uh, this phenomena that was going on could possibly. Um, oh, what was the other one? Oh, would would impair our like operational readiness that that people would see this stuff all the time and that they would just get, you know, uh, used to it and seeing this stuff all the time. So then they wouldn't actually they would hesitate to report an an actual conventional attack on the United States from from a threat like the Soviet Union. Yeah. So those were the only conclusions they really came to. It wasn't like there was a direct, you know, extraterrestrial threat. It's just that these things are getting in the way. That's it. You know, so disregard them as much as it was. Yeah. No, I like my theory has always been like a lot of people say like, well, there's a lot of theories about ETs. Some say there's only one or two races. Some say there's 96. But what I think is if you're going to be that advanced of a species that can trans like, like get yourself across the cosmos in whatever way is whatever way you do it, either through like a wormhole or some type of teleportation. I like I, I personally feel like at that point, how can you be like warfaring anymore? If if you're if there is like if you have like a malicious intent, you're not gonna just go and blow up a planet. You're gonna like infiltrate it like covertly. Yeah, the time like what what would be the point? Yeah, so you would like infil- infiltrate covertly, take over like. Have you not seen Independence Day? Well, I have. It's <laughs> awesome, but well, what would be the point in doing that if you weren't gonna push the species to like a, in the right direction? It's either like you are gonna gonna fully uh, like annihilate a planet of all like competitive life forms, or you're just gonna like just come in covertly, take what you need, maybe never leave, but never really show yourself because you don't like you're not gonna be able to bring a billion people from another planet like to another planet, right? You nope. say you do get really advanced, but you can only build so many ships or whatever type of device you use to get across space and time. You can't take a whole planet worth of billions of people to another planet. You might get, I don't know, maybe get a hundred thousand. Like, who knows? But I just feel like when you get when you get that advanced, like if humans eventually are going to get so advanced that we can like spacefare or go interstellar, we're beyond like conflict of borders, right? Well, yeah. If you if you got beyond if you got to the point where you're a space spacefaring race and you could travel from one end of uh, galaxy to the other or you know to to different solar systems uh within a 
uh, a negligible amount of time. Like I'm going to say you're going to have some pretty advanced production methods where that collecting resources from a planet, which is like waste time when you could find those resources like out in the cosmos. So you'd find an, an asteroid or a meteoroid that you could, if you needed gold, like there's probably gold meteors just like flying around space and I'm sure you'd be able to find them, Yeah, you know, or you have the entire planets that are formed of some sort of diamond material that if you needed that, um, but the things that, you know, the things that would be rare to find are something like water, you know, and, and you know, a planet like Earth, that's, uh, apparently that's that's hard to find or that's what they used to think. But now we're finding planets that are that are in the same area. Like we used to think the Goldilocks zone was like you maybe have one or two planets in that area uh, around a star and that our planet was rather rare. But you look at Trappist and Trappist, like the Trappist system, there's there's like four or five planets that sit within that Goldilocks zone and a couple of them might actually have liquid water on there. Yeah. So it's not like you wouldn't be able to find resources somewhere that it would be, you know, it would be easier to extract the resources from a place that doesn't have a bunch of little like us, you know, squishy meat bags running around messing everything up. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, no, I agree. Yeah. Anything more on Blue Book? Mm-hmm. No, I think we. I think we. I think close the book on. Close the book on. Close the Blue Book. <laughs> close the Blue Book. Well, let's not let's not even kid ourselves though. Just because they closed Blue Book, they're still doing. They're still they're studying still... UFOs, and, oh. and without Somewhere. a doubt, there's other Blue Books going on. Like it's not. Yeah. There's just there's just too ma- there's just too many sightings around the world even to this day like there's so, there's MUFON in every region of the world like there's all this stuff and yes a lot of them are explained it's like everyone knows that it's like okay some there's ball lightning there's sun dogs there's like those Einstein rings there's like there's a lot oh, of cool, there's a lot of there crazy was those phenomenon. jellyfish in Milwaukee did you guys see those yeah I did they're crazy phenomenon uh, unreal like yeah there's so, there's weird shit out there's there. a lot of weird shit in the atmosphere a lot of weird stuff. So a lot of people will like claim that you and it is a UFO. If you don't know what it is, technically it's a UFO, but that doesn't mean it's alien. Oh no! What do they use? The, they use the different term now. Is it is it UAF? Is it unidentified uh, aerial or UAP? phenomenon? Or yeah, Unidenti- is it is. UAP? Yeah, UAP. Is it UAP? Yeah, unidentified aerial phenomenon. Phenomenon. That's what they use now. It's not not an unidentified flying object because it doesn't have to be flying. Yeah, but now so I, I get that, and so some are UAPs. But some are still UFOs. Some stuff looks like it's flying. Like a lot of yeah. people claim they think something's flying. It stops sharply, like really way faster than it should be able to stop. It changes direction and flies off in a different direction. You're like, okay, well, maybe it's a phenomenon, but maybe it's not. So there's there's still I think there's still there's got to be two terms. So yeah. There's still two. There's still, there's something flying around. I think it's getting harder when you got like so much air traffic now. The stuff there's so much crap in the sky. Yeah, it's you got drones, you've got planes, you've got jets, you've got freaking SpaceX flying around out there, and I think it's getting harder to kind of sort stuff out. But that's not to say that. So like when there's stuff when I hear about ufo sightings in cities like i am i'm probably more skeptical i mean what do you guys think like when you hear about a ufo sighting in a city as opposed to a ufo sighting like in a rural area which do you think has more credibility i think it's rural i personally rural think. yeah that's I think, what i think i think if you're out in the like yeah. 
if you're out if you're out living in the middle like middle of nowhere you're hundreds of kilometers or miles from the closest like metro city like metro metropolis and you you see planes go over like there's probably a plane route over your plate like you probably hear or see planes multiple times a day right but then there's right. a, there's one time where this one guy he's a farmer in who nebraska or somewhere and he sees something he's like i've seen a lot of planes i've seen a lot of helicopters every day for the last 50 years this thing was nothing like i've ever seen it flew it stopped it changed directions it hovered it went up and went down and then disappeared you're like it's fucking weird man super weird that's something that warrants yeah that's the kind of thing that warrants investigation like you call up mufon for that stuff and yeah you know that's the kind of thing that needs to be in there but but it's hard it's it's just so hard to investigate these kind of things without with a serious lack of physical evidence like you see these things flying around and all you have is you know anecdotal evidence like this is what i saw i know what i saw and it's like okay you kind of can just go with the you have to go on the credibility of your witness you're like okay you know this guy doesn't seem really crazy he's you know, he's got a good – his background checks out. He doesn't have any mental diseases or stuff like that. So, okay, maybe he did really see something. And it's like, okay, he did see something. Now what is it? Well, I don't know. Okay. So unless – until you get your hands on some physical evidence, you get a crash or you get something or you get a pair of those tight-fitting silver coveralls that they wear. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we should never going to really find out what it is. Also, I mean, we're we're in the age now where it's like you can instantly broadcast anything. So, say one of the, one of these UFOs crashes. It's not necessarily ET. Maybe it is a government project that's still dark and no one knows anything about it. You can Facebook Live or like live stream on YouTube instantly with no editing or no cuts. Like you can't really fake anything, right? Yeah, it's pretty hard to fake. Like I'm sure there, I guarantee there's ways to do it but not that many people know to like overlay like live, like a live CGI over a live feed. It's probably super hard, but I'm, I'm sure you could do it. But if some random, oh. some random farmer is in his field, but he's got, he's still got like 4g technology on his phone. Cause he's got like a radio tower just 10, 10 miles from his house. Some fucking thing crashes in his backyard. And he goes out there with the camera, Facebook live is like, Hey, uh, I think it's a UFO. That, that would be like almost impossible to debunk. But until we get that, that's like you really need something like that for people to really, like, really get on board. Yeah, it's it's got to have like multiple. For me, it's got to have like multiple confirmation. You got to have a couple people see it. Like you need to see one or two, three people who aren't related see it and right. and confirm that this is what happens. And you need a piece of it. Like you need a piece of something that actually came out there. To, for me to be actually convinced, it's like okay, you really. You got something there, you know. I, I, I will, I'll give people the benefit of the doubt all day. That it's like, yes, you did see something, but I'm not going to say right off the bat, yeah, you saw a UFO. You know, that that was piloted by an extraterrestrial. That was some sort of like a probe or, or something. I, I, you know, I could theorize all day of what it what it possibly was, but I'm not going to definitively say that it's that's that that's what you saw. That's that's a definitely an extraterrestrial craft. You know, unless you touched it and you got a piece of it to show me, I'll, I'm, you know, I'll just, I can only give you just the benefit of the doubt. I can't give you total. Yeah, but say now m- maybe there is like a government agency that does like, you know, take crash craft and hide it. I'm, they got it. I know they do. They definitely. So if they got it. it. So, so I mean, like, so if like, say you're a farmer, you Facebook live 
fucking feed, like feed this fucking crashing object. The next day, your video is removed from the internet, and you have yeah. no, you have no wreckage. That guy's probably pretty legit because they probably like silenced him. They're like, you can't talk about this. We're taking everything here, and that video and your phone is now ours and gone. Like, yeah, you know. that stuff's got to go up quick. I mean, it would probably yeah, it would definitely probably come down quick uh, as anything, and there would be military because you know everything is tracked. Everything over yeah. the airspace, like over airspace, especially in the United States, everything is tracked. And if something came down, they would know about it. And there would be people out there within, I would say, within 40, 45 minutes to an hour, yeah, depending yeah. on how far they were. Yeah. Uh, you'd have someone out there, whether it be police, you know, whether it would be your local police just standing out there coordinating it off. And like they, they'd get a call from the U.S. government, like just just block it off. Don't go in there. Just block it off and wait until somebody gets there. Yeah, you know, and you'd have your local your local cops or your sheriffs or whatever would be like, well, they don't pay me enough to do this, so I'll just stand out here, do what I'm told to do. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, so. super cool though. I I, I, just, I, I, just lo- I love those stories. I just I want one day I just want to like get lucky enough to maybe see something really cool like that. Oh, that'd be the best. Imagine we see something in Pasadena with a bunch of our fans. Oh, that'd be neat. Be ultimate. Battle Pasadena. It was a fu- <laughs> aerial fucking laser battle when we were there. Oh god! Freaking what were they like? Dead people robots or something? No, like dead god, people robots. That, that was a bad movie. That's a bad movie. God, I was so excited for it too. I was just like oh, really that, disappointed. Are you talking about Battle La? Battle La? Battle La? Yeah. That's cool. There's actually two. There's like a crappy one too. There's like a crappy like there's Battle Los Angeles and there's Battle of Los Angeles, and like Battle of Los Angeles is a really, 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 really bad one. I think it's like one of those asylum movies, like those really cheesy B movies. They're really bad. Right. But it was like the same movie. It was the same plot line. It's freaking weird. I like those movies though. Those are fun. <laughs> fun to watch. Um, anything else on? No, Blue book? no. Mm-mm. If you don't, if you, got, don't uh, if you don't know, look it up. Super cool. We've got uh, two new reviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do it. Um, five star from Just James. Yeah, Just James. Great pod. Great podcast for anyone wanting to be more open minded about their surroundings. It's not tirelessly in-depth on the subjects and has a great amount of humor in every episode. Definitely my number one podcast. I listen to... Uh, I think it was... Oh, I, I, read, <laughs> I read that wrong. Is it number one podcast I listen to. Oh. Much love <laughs> from Sam and Arm, my brethren. Hope to meet you guys one day. Well, you're not far from Kelowna, so that's not no. out of the realm of possibilities. That's the closest review we've got. Yeah. Uh, long overdue from the one true mad from the USA. Ooh, These guys get me through the week. Every Monday, I start at Case File 1, and by mid to late Thursday, I've listened to every one of their pods. Keep up the excellent work. P.S. I travel, I travel the entire U.S., and it's actually pretty hard to find a Canadian tuxedo-clad hero. <laughs> but I've met Jay Leno, so maybe. Uh, is Jay Leno reviews. Canadian? No. Jay Leno's no. not Canadian. He's from New York or something. 
Yeah. Yeah, where's he from? Um, yeah, he's from New York. Oh, okay. Hmm. Wait, wait, so he get we get him through the week, so he listens to all the podcasts, like all through the week, every week? I guess so, yeah. Dang, that's dedication, dude. You're gonna get bored eventually, man. You have to find, you have to find a second <laughs> show. Got <laughs> find something else to listen to. <laughs> yeah. We we only we're only given like one episode a, a week or more now, so uh, you're gonna need you're gonna need a couple extras. Ugh. Um, I got some new uh, patreons. Ding, ding, ding. Some new people supporting the show. Thank you very much, Laura Wilson Anderson. Tyler Weiss went up in his pledge. Nick Smith. Darf Nerf Herder, he went up in his pledge. Shannon Miller. Oh, our friend from uh, 401 Files, our friend Ben Walgate. He's been a longtime prolapser pretty much since the beginning, and he's actually started his own YouTube channel, 401 Files, where he, he does kind of like a vlog, and uh, he talks about aliens, supernatural. It's pretty good, so go look him up. Uh, Brianna Servacio pledges. Uh, I can't remember where I left off last time, but I'll read a couple more because I'm not sure. Diego Arroyo, Mark Walls, Joshua Martinez, and I think those are all the new ones for sure this week. Now, I'm not sure when I'm going to read them all again, but it's going to be within the next one or two case files because everyone deserves a little shout out. And I got to do Zell's prolapse of the week. Last case file. Everyone remembers our, our good pal, Doug Champagne, right? Who did the tattoo? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I, I saw that. For the first time in the history of Alien Theorists, I'm giving a two, two in a row to Mr. Doug Champagne. Back, two, back. <laughs> For the reason is. Two time, two time, two time. Two times is right. I don't like, he sent us a message after the last, last case file. I don't like you guys that much. I did my research. His tattoo we actually got looks a lot like our logo. Pretty much exactly. But it's actually a geometric marking that was in red, which was seen by the patrolman Lonnie Zamoro on the hatch of a large UFO that landed near Socorro, New Mexico in April 1954. So he actually got that logo from something that he read, but then... I think Doug, I think he might have still messed up our 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 saying, but we still love no, you either he way. No, didn't. We changed it. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, we yeah <laughs> we've actually changed it forever. But yeah, so um, two two time pro- prolapser of the week, Doug Champagne. I I I can't can't remember her name now. My phone's dead. On Instagram, uh, someone sent us a t shirt idea for our new t shirt contest, and it was just a single eye in the in a sky. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I, I had a good chuckle about that. Oh, um, the other thing I wanted to read is I wanted to read one more review because it. um, it's fucking hilarious. Um, where did, did someone send it to us on Instagram or Twitter? I sent it to you. Uh, I sent it to you, Zell, on in that text message. Oh, oh, I know what you're talking about. I do yes. know what you're talking about. I gotta fucking pull it up here. It's so funny. I yes. don't know. I don't know if he did it or not, but it's the one of the funniest well, things I've ever seen. Yeah. So about a year ago on iTunes, I guess there's an old review from none a five star review from none other than Mister Conspiracy. Uh, oh. so if, <laughs> if you can pull it up, 
I got Adele, it. Adele, can you, can you read the Mr. Uh, Conspiracy tweet? I got it. From one year ago. Look it up. Five stars from Mr. Conspiracy. I'm not really sure how good the show is because I never listened to it, but I gave it five stars because I'm on it when it's convenient. (laughs) (laughs) This is even better. So I contacted Mr. Conspiracy and he confirmed he did not write that. He didn't? (laughs) No. The plot thickens. So someone, someone like perfectly captured his essence in a review. Hey, so if, if you are doppelganger, if you are Mr. Conspiracy on iTunes and you wrote us that review, kudos to you. That was uh, well played. <laughs> we all had a great laugh. Yeah, it's hilarious. It was really fun. I believed it was really him. It, it it did. It sounded like something he was saying. I did tell I did tell Ryan though. I was like, if that if that if it was him, it's the funniest thing he's ever done in his life by far. <laughs> so I've been so good. But anyways, uh, we got anything else? Anything else before we uh, wrap this one up? Yeah. Mm-mm. If you guys mm-hmm. like rock and roll music, please look up my band Lucky Monkey. We're just uh we're working on new tunes right now and we're trying to make a a little bit of impact with the next five. So if you go to Spotify or any other place that you stream your music, search Lucky Monkey and just follow and play even if you don't like rock and roll. Just, you know, who cares? Mute it. Mute it. Mute it. it. Put it on repeat. We'd appreciate it. That's yeah. it. Um All right. Well, um like we've always said, and always will say, uh, keep that eye on the sky. <laughs> that was also wrong, but still funny. No, keep that eye in the sky. Keep those eyes in the sky. No, it's no, it's keep those eye. Those no, I can't use those. It's no, it's, plural. it's keep your eye in the sky. I think we're butchering oh, okay. it. Either way, Doug Champagne, you're the man. We're out. Yeah. After hours. I don't know how long I can do after hours for today. No. When did you want to do Bigfoot? Did you want to do that tomorrow? Oh, you guys, um, did, you guys didn't do a Bigfoot on Saturday. No. Dude, no. I'm. I. I got back from Prince George, and honestly, it's dead. I don't know what it is. If it's just all the travel, but I'm. I'm so fucking exhausted. Like. You're grown I, up now. I actually thought. I actually <laughs> thought on like Thursday. I was like. Maybe I got bit by like a tick or something. Fucking Lyme like, disease. Lyme disease. Yeah, I'm just, uh, dude. I I have no energy. I like I haven't been to the gym in like two weeks. I just I just can't. Just dying. I get, barely get up in the mornings. I'm just I don't know what the fuck's up. Are you here. achy? That would be Lyme disease. I think if you're achy. Um, I well, that is a I don't know if I'm any achier than normal. Okay, <laughs> that's hard to say. But I'm just like it's it's crazy. I'm just so fucking low energy right now. Like. I feel like I'm running in fucking just about I'm an engine just about putting out of gas. That's what I feel.